You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. And today we have an amazing guest, independent creator. He got a project that's coming out real soon on Kickstarter. I mean, he's going to tell us a story. It's going to be hot. Right, it's called Orphan Broadlines. Let me introduce the man himself right here. The one, the only, Rick the Reepa. How you doing, brother? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Ah, thanks for coming through. And folks, I know, I know. You see another name down there. Chad, unfortunately and sadly, cannot make it today. He'll be on here another time. For right now, we got Big Rick. It's all right. We'll do fine without Chad, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Chad, I, apologies. He's a great writer. But, you know, uh, life happens and we're flying place to place. Sorry about that. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, kiddo. So, introduce yourself a bit. You know, tell me, uh, Rich, where, where you from, OG? And what are the early origins of your fandom? Right, right, right. So, like, I'm from St. Louis region, but I've lived in seven different states. I've been tons of different countries. Uh, I have a degree in international business. I like all the things, you know, not necessarily in my own neighborhood. I like to go abroad and see things. Uh, But the more that I've gone abroad, the more that I've realized the greatness of what is back here in America. So, I mean, that's why I'm here. My origin, uh, origins of where, what I come from, my, my passions. When I turned about 30... I started saying to myself, there's something to do with comics here. I wasn't a kid fan. I wasn't. Um, you weren't? No, no. I was uh, I was an X-Men TV show, the cartoon in the 90s. I was big okay. on that. But besides that, no, I wasn't. And then I turned about 30 and I said, what is this about comics? I'm going to give it a shot. And I, I looked up online. I said, what's the top movies, the top storylines, the top, top comics, graphic novels? I just want to read the best. Just give me the best and I'll give it a shot. If, it's, if I read the best and it's not great, then that's all it is. So yeah. I started reading the best graphic novels I could find, and I never did stop. I read, you know, mountains of them because what I found was as long as I searched for the best storyline, not if it was Marvel, not if it was DC, not if it was all these other things, but I actually started reading just what was rated the best story. That was that was my game. That was where I was at. And that's why I wrote my, my book, Orphan Bloodline, is because I wanted to bring a great story to the world. Excellent. Isn't it funny when you just start diving in? You know, and not worry about the brand, how much more you could discover and how much fun you could actually have in the discovery. Right. And indie is there, too. There's a huge Uh, number of comics that are really great stories and surprising stories with great twists. Uh, Look at Netflix. That I mean, I I look at Netflix as kind of indie because they bring all these international shows on that you never would have heard of before if you just stayed with CBS, ABC, NBC. Now you have all these international movies from Poland and Northern Italy and stuff. It's some great stuff out there. So I'm for I'm for all kinds of, of entertainment as long as it has a good story. Gotcha. So I'm I'm curious why why weren't you interested in the comics? Well, what was it outside of the X Men that does the comics didn't appeal to you as, as a youth? Yeah. So I was born in '79. So think of me back toward the Batman. And the Superman that was a little bit more stiff looking, you know, a little bit more, yeah, uh, yeah not as flashy. The Dark Knight yeah. now, obviously great, right? But back then it wasn't really the Dark Knight. <laughs> Batman was kind of a little bit cheesy. 
and that's, the dog and goof. <laughs> and there's a place for that. That's cool. I mean, you see some comics kind of getting retro in that direction in their art, just as like an homage to those days, but it never did catch me. Uh, I, but I mean, who am I? My kids today, they won't read my own. They won't read my books. They only read manga these days. My kids, I said to my <laughs> daughter, I said, will you read my book? She goes, well, is it manga? And I said, no. She goes, no, then I'm not going to read it. <laughs> oh, wow. The joy as a manga and tricker. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, everybody has their thing that catches them. But for me, it, it wasn't the kind of um, very, very good versus very, very bad. You know, the obvious villain, the, uh, the obvious hero. That just wasn't my game. So uh, I guess 30 years old, I said, well, let me read the best stories. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to be not agreed with, but my favorite of all time, single graphic novel ever, just one graphic novel and done, Planet Hulk. That's my absolute favorite. Okay. The emotion. It was well done. It was fun when they did it. If you read it from the very beginning when you got kicked off the planet and, yeah. and, and you get all that and understand why his hatred. I mean, it, it was a well done story. It was seeded well throughout. And there was there were some twists. I mean, there were some sad parts. There was some murder. There was some shock. Uh, there yeah. was some betrayal. You know, it was uh, it was cool, really cool. And yeah, then the Hulk, it was cool to see the Hulk. Hulk you know, really, the thing. <laughs> really like a Mary Sue. The Hulk is. You know, he doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses, but in Planet Hulk, all these weaknesses come out for him, and that's cool to see. I I, I hate the Mary Sue kind of mentality for guy or girl either way. Having them have weaknesses and get hurt and, and damaged in some way and then come back, that's the hero story I wanna I wanna read about. Well, I, I I agree. You know, that's what made Planet Hulk so good. You know, such an impactful story. And why they keep picking at it even till today. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also I loved in the in the in the time I got into comics, what really grabbed me was Green Lantern. Now this was the Jeff Johns series. This is Oh uh, yeah. So in the Color Wars that yeah. time? Yep. It was great shit, brother. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Rick. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 2002, 2003-ish, when you had Rebirth, and then all the way through 2011 and 12. Uh, if you picked up any comic that was Green Lantern or the Green Lantern Corps or any of them, those books were, were money. Absolute great stories. And uh, it left you wondering about what's going to happen next. And the fact that Jeff Johns brought in the spectrum of, of emotion that hadn't been brought up ever in like 50 years of Green Lantern, and he just right. created it out of thin air, and it fits so perfectly. I mean, that's that's quality story. Kind of another example, if I can just keep talking forever on your podcast, um, McTaggart uh, in the uh, uh, X-Men series just recently. Uh, mm -hmm. She has all these powers that we didn't know about. You know, the X, um, Professor X's girlfriend for all those days, she yeah. lived back in uh, Scotland or whatever, she has lots of X-Men powers. We didn't even know about it. And they brought it in so seamlessly. I mean, that's great storytelling. Okay. Oh, so now she, she's all powerful. I haven't met X in a while. Oh, it's it's crazy. Because when I was watching the cartoons, again, 90s X-Men was my big game for TV, the cartoons. And uh, she was brought in in one show where she's Professor X is like love interest or something. Yeah. That's fine. It's a it's a side note. It's it's. It's interesting to get background for characters, but there was nothing there for me besides that. This newest comic, I think it's called like X Power Power X or something of that nature. It's a huge graphic novel, and it has the story of McTaggart. You can find it if you if you Google it, and uh, that's that's some storytelling that you need to read. You need to read that one. Excellent. So talk to me about this. You know when? All right. So you're saying 
you grew older, you got into comics, started reading, you became a fan. Mm-hmm. But right. when when did the creative spark come? So uh, I do D and I've always played D and D, but I I think everybody plays D and D whether they're playing it through video games or playing it through card games or or de- uh, tabletop games or whatever. You're you're playing fantasy. You're playing an imagination. When women are reading about you know Twilight, it's D and D. You know it's vampires and it's uh, um, the the question of what happens next and trying to get involved in the characters. So for me, we all play D and D in some way. And when I was playing with my buddy. He'd never played before. I brought him into the game. He said he needs me to create him a character. So I created him this character, right, where the kid has a blood disorder called hemochromatosis. And that is a place where you can't digest metals. So his parents, really sad, no money, just a little bit of money, you know, middle class, whatever. They sell their house. They go to China. Why? Because China has all this advanced technology that the FDA won't approve. Surprise, surprise. Right? <laughs> you know, shocker. Never thought. Once approved from out there. I mean, it, it only takes a year to get here when you order something, right. mistakenly. <laughs> right, right. So they bring the kid over there, and they uh, the Chinese scientists put on these microdialysis machines on his wrists and suck the metal out of his blood with magnets. Okay. But then they kill the mom, and they keep the kid because the mom and dad can't pay the bill. And their mafia and all that. So they kill the parents, keep the kid in the orphanage, and they keep upgrading his, his biobracers to where they suck the metal out of the blood, compact it into tiny little bullets, and then stuff it into a magazine in his palm and shoot blood bullets out of these rail guns that are magnetic based. So the whole thing oh, is magnetic damn. based. So there's no gunpowder, there's no pins or other uh, parts needed that a gun would normally have or ammo. He's shooting his own metal out of his blood, and as long as he has food that he's eating, his body can't digest the metals. He has infinite ammo until he has to go eat again. So he must have a high iron diet, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> those little capsules, he pops them in to give him some more metal in there. But uh, the idea was that this kid has a, a, a blood disorder, but then now it's a benefit. You know, now it's like he has a strength because he was able to, in some way, turn it around. And actually, this was the idea for Orphan Bloodline. What got me into writing comics was this story of my buddy and me. We created for D and D, and then we actually transitioned this character into a comic book hero, where he, yeah, his parents are sadly killed by the mafia, and he does have these bio bracers on his wrists because he has a blood disorder. But now he's fighting back because he has these guns that shoot these bullets, and he can then learn streetwise, you know, kind of gang skills. Um, it's a real underworld. Uh, no super great hero just kind of like the anti-villain you know somebody who's against the bad guys who but may also do bad things there's a part in there i don't know if it's a safer work or whatever there's a part in there where he has to inject drugs into the hookers because they have to stay in the brothel by the underworld and he doesn't want to do it but he does it because otherwise they're going to kill him and he has to get his revenge of course all so part of the plan kiddos all yeah. part of the plan kids <laughs> yeah i mean what if you're going to get killed and not get your revenge or you're going to hurt somebody else so you can get revenge, what do you do? Do you give up on your revenge that you're owed? Where's the justice? Oh, it's a hard, it's a hard coin to toss. And that's oh, what I'm getting my justice. Right I'm getting my justice. Is this homie based <laughs> out of the hood in Brooklyn? Cause what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's right. Yeah. And that, I mean, if only people could work through these as a black and white, then we would have the old style comics, but that's what brings the new style comics in is because you can't really get these. There's no bright, shiny line. 
I mean, I've been saying forever that there, we live in a gray area. I even, mm-hmm. I even do a little heresy and say Jesus is the gray area. There's always some kind of a, a oh. good and a bad to all of the don't kill, but oh, only when I want to kill. And, and it's, thou shalt not kill, but except for when I say so. So it's kind of a gray area. And I think comics that are told in that gray area really speak to the modern person today. There we go. So it's all about building the team as this story was being built in your head. You know, did, how, how did you meet Chad and everyone else to put this baby together? So uh, I think what I do for my collaboration is I bounce the ideas off everybody. And what I get from that is they give me a quick answer, but nobody's invested in your story like you are. Nobody's going to be buying into it and, and really giving their time into it as much as you are. So I get ideas from everybody and I take them for what they're worth and I add them where I can. But when it comes down to it, my collaborators are people who are consistently trying to share my stuff on social media, people who consistently help me out by proofreading my books. And uh, Chad's one of them. Uh, Carissa is one of them. Carissa Grant, she has a a Kickstarter going. Um, A lot of people in my publishing house that I'm a part of called Charter Comics, they're great people, highly recommend them. And they helped uh, with my with my book a little bit. So um, that's that's kind of where it, where it goes. If you're a creator out there and you want to really get a collaboration of people behind you, that's going to be great, and they're going to help you. But in the end, it's your push. You got to push it yourself. And if you do, and you find some cool people, then you can have fun with it. Oh, agree. Did a hold me, man. Awesome. So, how was it putting together the project? Not being, you know, a creator, if you will. Right. What was that learning curve like for you? So this is what I recommend on that one. For me, it was just diving into all the uh, comic Facebook groups. And I use Facebook almost exclusively. I'm, I'm starting to get on uh, Twitch a little bit or TikTok and, and sending a few pictures out there that I'm getting with my artists. That's going to come. That's going to come. But to start off, if you're, if you're starting out, I just say go to Facebook real quick. There's a lot of groups on there. Follow them all join them all, start talking with people about, Hey, who do you know for artists? What kind of pay is it for pencil, for ink, for color, for letter, and start talking with people about what to do. Then go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but I use Kickstarter and uh, look at some successful campaigns. Anything that makes, you know, over $10,000 is I would say a highly successful campaign. Most oh, campaigns yeah. are one to 2000 maybe. So if you get a kind of campaign that's 10,000 or more, just start copying what they're doing and give it a shot. Now you may lose a thousand or two and getting the wrong artist, or maybe you lose a thousand or two because you overpay or maybe because you didn't do something right, whatever you need to expect that that can happen. I'm just throwing it out there. You're not going to get it all right the first time, but error is education. Oh, wow. Look, look at that. So what were you, what do you think was the hardest hurdle for you to overcome, you know, in building the, in the baby project right here? The hardest, I mean, this is maybe not hard for everybody, but for me, it was hard. I didn't have 10,000 bucks just sitting around to just mm. throw at a comic book. I didn't have, a, a, you know, thousands of dollars. So I've been having to use Kickstarter to raise some funds. I've been having to, uh, you know, scrimp a little bit to get my, my comp, my, my cash flow there. If you're somebody that has, I'd say 10,000 bucks or more, you're going to have no problem at all. You're going to be able to pay your people. You're going to be able to publish your stuff with your, with your printing company. You're going to go to cons. You're going to have it all set. But if you don't have ten grand, then you're going to be slowed up by that. I'm just, I'm just saying. It doesn't cost a lot, though. I mean, you don't. It doesn't cost fifty grand. You're not buying a Lambo here. You can get by with ten <laughs> more, but it's going to cost a little bit of money. And don't be expecting to make a lot of money. And don't be expecting to get picked up by some TV show either. 
Uh, uh, maybe mine. Yes. Okay. Orphan Bloodline will be picked up by a TV show. <laughs> manifest. <laughs> manifest. That's right, Rick. That's how we do. We manifest. You know, right. you know, I know we're talking about this, though. Look, I mean, look at that, folks. Look uh, at that. This artist is William Russell. Uh, I, I messaged him random. I saw him through a Facebook story. Uh, I started talking to him, seeing his art. Uh, he's a known artist. He has a huge following. That was important to me because you need to have artists that have a following. So when you do go to Kickstarter, they can push your work as well. Because you need those collaborators. You need those people who can help you. So he was very gracious in uh, helping me push the book out. When I got done, he did my cover for me. Um, it's uh, it's deep. It's it's dark because that's what life is sometimes, and that's what Orphan Bloodline can be as well. I was actually told by one guy who I really like this guy. He's one of my best friends, and he said, "Rick, it's too dark." And I said, "It's not dark enough." <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea yet. Yeah. Awesome. And just to let folks know, because I've been showing off the, the, the website right here, folks, so you can see. But I mean, they got some, they, they got something cooking up. So, what does the Kickstarter do? Because I know I asked prior, you said not not yet. So, what what's going on? What can we expect this baby to go live? So, where where we could make it ring like we're at a strip club? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, the first Kickstarter was uh, chapter one and two together. All right. my, my books are not short. My books are thirty six pages. Okay, so we're each, talking each. Each, yeah, yeah, baby. Thank yeah. you. Give me that that word count, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing about the big pages goes back to my motivation. I'm a storyteller. I want the best Wonderful. stories. I don't want to make a 24 page book because it's cheaper, or because I can. It's faster, or because the art's really great. That's not my game. It, and people have that game, but I make a story because the story is good. And if a story takes 35 pages to write for chapter one, then that's what it takes. And that's what you do. Uh, one of my buddies, Timothy Fling, he's the same same boat. He has huge books because he's telling stories. So I always tell everybody to support storytellers when it comes to indie comics. But, um, yeah, first two chapters were 36 pages apiece, front, back, front to back cover. The third one's probably going to be 32 or plus. I think it's 32. And uh, this is going to be about two weeks from now, here in April, about two weeks from now, it's going to launch – uh, with Kickstarter, there's uh, there was some delay, and people say you just got to get it out there and got to do it. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't want to get something out there that's not great. So I pushed it back. I pushed it back a month total because I really okay. wanted to get the story written better. I went back and I reread Comic One, I reread Comic Two, then I reread them again, then I reread them again, and every time I found little changes that I wanted to make. And that's the proofreading and the editing that hmm. you want because you got to get the voice right, the voice free yeah, character. I mean, look at the screen here. You have Thoth on the left, then you have Ace, then you have uh, in the middle there you have Aizen and Uran, and then over on the right side you have the the drug guy there. It's Jinzi. I mean, these are people that you have to get their voice right. They're all very different. Um, oh yeah! And, what a universe, jeez! Oh yeah! Look at what, I mean. Was the hood you grew up in that bad? Because you got. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. It's just imagination. You know, uh, the cool thing about Bloodline <laughs> is I don't have to really create the new world like like uh jrr tolkien did i mean he was creating hobbits out of nothing there was nothing and then he created yeah. it, right but orphan bloodline is actually a historical base it's a historical cyberpunk so cyberpunk is usually futuristic uh, biotech uh, you know apocalyptic into the world but then you're still trying to struggle through with science and technology and mine is historical cyberpunk so you still have that biotech like i mentioned the bio bracers with ace you still have the blood disorders, so you still have the biology there, but 
you take historical figures. So the guy on the right there, that's Nicholas II, the Tsar from Russia. He visits okay. Japan. He's part of the Bloodline Secret Society. He brings the Bloodline to Japan, and that's how we have Nikki, Nikaru, Ooh. who comes in as our female samurai uh, Bushido follower. In the story, is because of Nicholas II's descendants. And all the Bloodline's powers are are, are um, ancestral. They get passed from parent to child. So oh, I'm, uh, I'm writing yeah. I'm writing stories about the Bloodline uh, with the the immortals back with you know Sparta and the three hundred. I'm writing it with uh, Pharaoh. I'm writing it with the the witches and the covens uh, in the in the uh, Middle Ages. Uh, all these historical facts. The first vampire Jure in uh, Kosovo or is that okay. Kosovo, Croatia. So I'm writing all these people into the Bloodline, and I'm telling their story from a perspective of a cyberpunk slash secret society um, framework. It's really a cool story coming together. It's really amazing. I already already wrote 22 comics, but I've only had the art done for now our third one launching in two weeks. In two weeks. Folks, you hear this? In two weeks. So please tell me you're going to have a catch-up tier so we could get the first two and and three, and we could just tear through this bad boy. Because, I mean, if you're talking 36 pages, will the third one also be 36 pages? It's it, probably 32 or 36. You can't do 34 okay. because of the printing requirements. With printing, you have to have it divisible by four. So 32 okay. is, divisible, is divisible by four, so the printer can print that. So it's either 32 or 36. Either way, you're going to have 100 pages here with the first two. And the first, that's what I'm saying. Oof. 100 pages. And what? the catch-up tier is like 10 bucks. So you're getting 100 nice. pages for 10 bucks. That's, man, it's unbelievable. That's a great deal. Oh, absolutely is. I cannot wait, man. Have you come up with any special tiers that you want to that you can tease oh, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, campaign? Yeah. So, um, the thing that I love, uh, Ethan von Schreiber, uh, I, got, I hope I pronounced his name right. Uh, his book just came out a, a while back, maybe it was like months ago, and his book came out all foil. I think we should, as indie comic creators and through Kickstarter, Indiegogo, we should offer high quality printing. I mean, we, uh, we should offer if people are paying 15, 20 bucks sometimes for these books plus shipping, you better give them a good book. So my books covers are all hundred percent foil. When you choose that tier, okay. uh, you can choose the PDF. Sure. You know, 10 bucks for the hundred pages. Like I said, uh, for the one book, it might be, you know, five bucks, but if you want to get the foil cover, which I recommend everybody do those, that's where indie comics can really stand out. Um, we can give them, we can give our people a high quality uh, product. My, my books are, I mean, if you, if you follow printing, my books are probably five times thickness on the cover. They're at least two or three times. Hey, everybody like it thick, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're, we're giving you a high quality product. So if I were to say what the surprise tier is, it's, it's the quality of the material that comes into your hand, both in the writing and in the material. Well, uh, see, we're just trying to bring you some game and folks. See, look, look, look at this. Artistic and creative contributors to my gosh, <laughs> yeah. it's like a scroll over here. What's going yeah. on, with Rick? That's I mean, Mike, this, this is the army that you have assembled to create this amazing book. Where Oh, and Carissa, yay! There we go. This is, yeah. Yeah, it's a big yeah, so homie. Awesome. For me. For me, I feel like the more the merrier, you know, and start building relationships and start networking. I come from an entrepreneurial background, so I've started businesses, and I felt like uh, it's never really about you. It's always about the customer. It's always about the people. It's about the community that you're doing here. And so for me, building a community was 
the way to do it. That's just, that's what you have to do. And um, I hope that I've been able to add something to the, the comic book community in the last year that I've been doing this. That's my I mean, goal. But look at this. Look at this artwork here. Look at these covers. Look at these characters. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, and all this is available now for me to go spend money on? <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. I want you to spend all the money. Um, go up a little bit there and see that uh, that cover there on the on oh, the let right. Me go back. Let me go back. Sure. Okay. Up. Yeah, right on the right there. That's okay. Ace uh, on the right. He is, yeah. That one there was done by um, Mr. Gwynn. Uh, Jeff Quinn, he is a a street artist. He does murals. He does graffiti. And I didn't go to a traditional comic book artist for that cover. I went to him because, to be honest, I wanted something that was real, that was like uh, a current, modern, cutting, bleeding edge of comic books. I went to William Russell for the traditional, awesome comic book cover, and I went to Gwynn, Mr. Gwynn, for the I don't know, street art comic cover. And I don't know a lot of um, comic book creators that are intermingling art like that. And I think we need more of it. I think we need to bring more yes. art into the comic world. I, I have a mm-hmm. manga cover. I have a old world ukiyo-e Japanese style cover because I like seeing these different ty- types of art. And then when, oh, I, when I tell my story, it, the story that covers the old Japanese per- time period, the Imperial Japan time period, it's done in ukiyo-e style. So I try wow. to bring the style of art to the time period, to the story, have it all match up. It's It's been pretty fun. Well, yeah, listen, I agree with you, Andre. Let these artistic folks do their thing, like David Mack. Like even a Wilson Kevich, you see his artwork. When he does, you know, you know, everybody loves his covers, but when he does a book, holy smokes. I mean, it's some, it's some wild, wild stuff going on in there. You know, yeah. you got some new cats. A big shout out to Ian Cinco, for example. He has some books coming out. And he's, you know, one of the non-traditional artists, if you will, you know, the street artists, but Man, can he fucking draw a comic book? God damn. <laughs> and tattoo artists I, as well. We oh, are, yeah. I've read a vampire story that was created entirely by a tattoo artist that they only used red, black, and white as the colors of the of the story. Which really? Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you reminds you of Sin City with uh, Sin City with the limited color palette there. Yeah, it was from Rosarium Press. Awesome book. And basically, essentially, it's a... It's a vampire that figured out a way to, to feed its habit without killing people. So he was a tattoo artist himself. And as he tattooed you, it was a double needle where one needle would put the ink, but the other needle would extract blood. Wow. So yeah. he was sneaky. He was sneaking how, how to do it. But of course, his other vampire brethren didn't quite agree with such a nice method. <laughs> That's pretty sneaky, though. So this is creative writing. That's that's great. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I I love that story. I forgot the title. I'm sorry, but it's definitely from Rosarian Press, and it's created by a tattoo artist at that. So, you know, now you see the the just the, you know the vampire being tattooed. But wonderful book, and yo, salute to you for doing that because not many people are digging in that lane. So right. you know, there's so much talent out there. So thank you for doing that because that that cover is gorgeous. So big shout out to to Big G. <laughs> I'll th- I pre- appreciate that, and I'll tell him you said so. Yeah, I mean, beautiful. I mean, and look at here, you see it. What? Ooh, that's, ooh, that's that foil. Holy shit! Look at that, folks. Yeah. Do you see this? Look how pretty that look. Where total nineties? And you said you weren't buying comics then, kid? What? Very <laughs> yes, very nineties. That's true. Holy smokes! But look at this. Yeah, where There you go. Some some leg. <laughs> and my boy Johnny, all like that. 
Tell me about uh, your favorite graphic novel of all time. Top three. Um, definitely Punk Rock Jesus, number one. I really? love that. Yeah, because, again, it's not a superhero story. And it's just right. so different and so well done. So G. Murphy uh, 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 did himself in it. Um, I like the old school Captain America Scourge story because he actually killed so many villains. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I like that whole, that whole joint right there. And, uh, you know, I, I know this sounds cheesy, but it's just, it really is that good to me. The Watchmen graphic novel, I really yeah. do dig it. Yeah. You know, the graphic novel was dope. I dug okay. it, and I like how the TV show actually came back with that whole Squid 3, you know, that, that kind of was a throwback to the comic. I was like, oh, I, I dug yeah. it, finally. <laughs> Watchmen gave us so many real, like, moral questions we had to battle with. That's why I oh, thought yeah. it was so great. It, it, it's when you get the reader to battle with their morals a little bit. That's what I was trying oh, to yeah. do with the uh, with the brothel and the drug use. That's what I was trying to do with um, with all of Orphan Bloodlines battling. Is it what, what's good and what's bad? And does the, does the reader get to choose or not? Uh, how do they feel when they're reading it? Do they feel dark or do they feel like it's okay? Now I can, I'm released because the hero did win. I mean, how does that ride go? What's the the roller coaster of those emotions. And, and my hope is that the book can bring you that. Now that we're getting to the third volume, the third chapter, mm. you're going to get a few more of those twists. I mean, the first comic is about introducing the characters. The second one is about getting him into the world of uh, Chinese underworld. The third is about him upgrading his weaponry and skills. Uh, it, it continues to go on until the sixth. I mean, it's just like murderous. <laughs> oh, there we go. See what a teases man is? He's going to give us some good stuff. I mean, talking about the ladies and the drug usage and, you know, going back to an era. I mean, wow, look at this in the history. And again, another full cover. Look at that. Wepa. Look at this. You got enamel pens, too? Hey. Wow, those look nice, man. Well, we're trying to do um, things that make sense at the Comic-Cons because I'm going to be at conventions this summer, all summer. Oh, snap. Wait a minute. That was going to be one of my questions. Now you're already in it. Now you got Now you got to give us the gossip and the, the uh, what's popping. What cons are you going to be at where we could pick up these pens and some of these books and whatnot? Popping. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I'd say to people who are thinking about going to cons, maybe for the first time. I'm a first timer. Remember, I just got writing a year ago and now it's it's publishing and now a it's... A year. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I'm kind of new to this. I've gone to conventions for years and years, but uh, which ones to choose? What I've done is I've asked my groups. I've asked my collaborators. I said, which ones do you think I should go to? And this is what I've received information on. If you go to the big ones, you're going to pay a thousand bucks a table. You got a thousand bucks a table. You go to the big ones and no one is going to hear you talk because it's going to be so loud. So you don't have a lot of that one-on-one -on -one conversation that you and I are having right now. So think about that. And then people are so packed in there that they're just literally just walking by and looking. It's almost like window shopping. You don't have that glad handing that you want. So I say when you're first getting going, don't go pay your thousand bucks for a table at, I don't know, Emerald City Comic Con Seattle, although I, I would love to be there, you know, but spend 200 bucks or, you know, what, 100 bucks and go to your local cons, support yeah. your local cons, you know, because you're going to get that glad handing. You're going to get meet other comic book store owners. You can go to a special signing at their store. Community. You know, yeah, <laughs> community building at its best, my brother. That's how you do it. I agree with you, Rick. I mean, um, yeah. I've always spoken to people like that. Definitely use the community at hand. Start small. Don't think big. I mean, I know you want to think big. I know you believe in yourself. 
but it's not about that. It's about just making sure that you stay, how is it, charged up as you do this, right? Because, you know, it it could become difficult, but, you know, especially if you go big, you could get disappointed so bad that you might just destroy your own chances of success because, oh, my God, nobody watched me, this, that. No, no, no. Rick, man, that is amazing advice. I'm I'm digging it, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's the way to do it. You're thinking big. You're thinking right. And this is why I think this will then very much succeed. You're going along a right path. So talk to me. What what, what show can we see you this this year at? So I'm going to be in Tulsa. Plan. That's the Oklahoma, uh, okay. the statewide comic convention. Uh, I'm going to be in St. Louis. I'm going to go to the anime convention. I know not everybody who's a comic reader is also a manga reader, but I am and my kids are. So I'm hoping to grab some of those uh, crossovers. I tried to have my art in the book be acceptable to kind of all styles of art, like I mentioned earlier. So I'm hoping that does lend me toward more, uh, you know, customers than just the traditional. Hey, why not? They invade Comic Con, so let comic normal comics invade their cons. Let's get it done, baby. It's a merge of pop culture, baby. It's a good thing. <laughs> and, I, and I think as long as you're hitting up some local cons, some regional cons, ones that aren't going to be a hundred thousand customers, you know, but they're going to be yeah. five to 10,000. I'm going to go to the one in Fort Worth with uh, charter comics. My, uh, uh, my publishing house, uh, we're going to go to, um, it's called Cowtown comic con. It's going to be really fun. And it's really focused on getting the customers in there to spend money at the, at the, at the artist's table. It doesn't cost awesome. hundred bucks to go. It doesn't cost 50 bucks to go. It costs like 15 or 10. Awesome. Bucks to go. So it's really approachable. That's the kind of comic convention that I support. You know, the ones that everybody can go to and have a good time. Father, well, son kind of a thing going on. I love it. Rick, that's what I go to out here. Northeast comic con salute, um, big apple comic con salute. Those small shows where you go in, like, listen, Rick, I go to these. Okay. I like to do the big shows as press, right? But sometimes I like to go to the show and not be press. Like, I just want to have fun, right? Mm-hmm. And I normally right. choose those small shows to do that because I know, okay, it'll be a little bit more calm and I'm not going to be working. And it's two days. But, man, do yeah. I spend. <laughs> oh, man, look at you. I'm not interviewing nobody. I start buying books. I start buying toys. I start buying everything and their mother. Right. Uh, the last convention I went to, we went there as as press. Interviewed a few folks. We were in the car talking all this shit. We weren't gonna buy anything. I, for example, came off, came home with six bags of stuff. (laughs) Man, toys, comics. I mean, I found Conan's. Man, I found Shredder. I found Spawns. I found. Oh my god! I found a classic GI Joe uh, vehicle that was my very first. So I refound it. So it's like, how could I say no? <laughs> right. That's right. Well, you're doing it. You're doing the right thing. You're seeing things that catch your eye that make you have that emotional response, that, that nostalgia. Yeah. It's about happiness, Rick. That, yeah. That's how people should follow comics and up. Things that make you happy. Why get irritated? Why get mad? Here we got Rick bringing you some OG, OG shit, folks, which is very important. No, not, not biting over anything, something original. And you know what? It's independent. Because independence serves the needs of the people. I swear it does, folks. I mean, big two, you know, they're there to serve, you know, their groups, their their, their political allies. But independent, they're here to actually serve community. 
Man, you totally rich, bro. You rock, bro. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're very generous. I appreciate your your work, kind words. Uh, today uh, is a great day for being in the industry. There's two. Heck there's yeah. so many options. People can create videos for their Kickstarters on their computers. They can do podcasts like this with a small investment on a mic or whatever. Um, you can uh, communicate with people on Facebook all over the world to find the right kind of artist for yourself. I mean, this is a great time to be story writing and to be creating yeah. comics and other uh, tarot cards or any kind of material that you want to be a part of. We have a tarot card deck, actually, which I was I didn't mention. Um, a tarot card? Right, yeah. right. So, so long as that don't come out for me, I'm good. I. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny you mentioned that. Well, the person who approves the tarot card images for the card is a full blown, 100% valid psychic friend. Oh, say a word. Oh, Absolutely. shit. <laughs> and uh, anybody who looks her up, uh, she needs to, if you need help with the spirits, she will be there. And it is real. I'm just saying. I love it. Uh, she has a connection somehow. I ain't fucking with it. I, uh, uh, yes, I understand. So I, I, I ain't even, I ain't even trying to bring that to me. Good right. for you, lady. Also, keep doing <laughs> it. Bless. <laughs> yeah. so our, our tarot card deck has the covers of our comics and all the charter comics people oh, cool. covers in there. And then our psychic decides, you know, with inspiration or what have you, on which card represents which deck. Uh, okay. cups or pe- pentacles or wands or whatever. And so when you order the tarot card on the Kickstarter, which I'm, I, I move them that way, when you order it, you're going to get a tarot card deck that's literally been put together by the, the, the psychics. So it's kind of cool. Ooh, folks, you yeah. hear this? That's going to entice you. You're getting a cool comic book, different variations, dope project, catch up tears. This project is coming soon, folks. A couple of weeks, so you guys better stay tuned. And, and all you got to do, stay tuned. Check out orphanbloodline.com. And if you want to catch up now and not even wait, you can go there and start making it rain on homie. And then you know, stay tuned. Sign up for new. You have a newsletter, I would suppose, on this, do you? I am too new. I haven't gotten that done. What I do is let's I- get it done, bro. Get it done, bro. Pimp it, man, because people need to know. <laughs> uh, what I say is go to the uh, Orphan Bloodline on Facebook. Uh, you can do Twitter. Uh, I get back to everybody instantaneously, almost instantaneously on Facebook. So if you have a question for me, if you, uh, oh, here's something in the comics right before they right before I sent them out PDF to my Kickstarter people, right, and I'm getting them printed now, so it's it's a process. Nice. Right before I got them sent out PDF, I had a revelation. I had an inspiration one night. I said I want these people to have an interaction with the comic, not just reading, but actually interact with the story. So on the bottom of maybe every other or every page, there's a little symbol, a little, little odd symbol that you don't know maybe what it is. You have to find out what it's called. The first letter of each symbol in the order they arrive in the comic book, the first letter of each symbol leads you to a web address, which gets you a free comic. If you can figure out the code. So you have to really decipher the symbols in order to then find out what you're going to get for free, which is good. It's not, a, it's not one of these like drink your oval team, you know, like the, the Christmas movie. <laughs> he does his cryptology and he gets the, the oval team. <laughs> oh, no, this is, you're going to get some quality uh, reading information. And, and if you do figure out this cryptology, so look at my cover, the, uh, my logo in the back orphan bloodline. Each one of those letters is a historic uh, image. 
folks, you hear this? You got you get your Scooby Doo on as you read this book too. Whereby that's how we do it. See, independent, being having fun with the creation and letting you have fun and interact with. Wow, man, great idea, Rick. Awesome stuff. This is what it is. This is I'm telling you folks to support independent creators. Stay tuned for when the project is coming out. For real, follow, 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 or from bloodline.com, the website, like you said, you know, or from bloodline, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else. Right? I got the links below, all of them are below. You got to just click away and show the love. So, any last words, Rick? I got to say, I'm, I've been welcomed with open arms in this community. If you're out there wanting to get your story done, the community will welcome you. Uh, contact me. You know, contact Mega, contact any of these people that are that are getting out there, putting themselves out there. We will all help you because that's what this is about. Let's collaborate. Let's let's support each other. Let's tell yes. stories together. Let's laugh and have fun. Let's have those nostalgic moments. That's what this is about. I, I've been welcomed, and I I can only have deep, grateful thanks for those who have been on my team. There we go, man. Look at that humble dude, folks. Yo, this is the type of people you support and show the love for. You know, thank you, Rick, for coming on. And again, support Indy. Thank you for supporting Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. Please make sure to follow the channel, you know, turn on notifications, subscribe, not just to us, but also, you know, to, to the website. So we got newsletters, we got all that stuff. Uh, our team be, be killing it and smashing it all over comic book news and movies and all that good things. All right. So you know what it is. That's all, folks. Mama Hitte. Much love. Wepa! Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 